Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. On today's episode... Yeah, it's curiosity and it's an unquenchable thirst for knowledge that I sometimes really hate because it means I can't, I can't really uh, just stop. Hey, it's Maria and you are listening to Impact Learning. Hey everyone. I'm uh, thrilled today to have a guest who is very special to me and to this podcast. Uh, her name is uh, Julie Roxanne Krikorian. I call her JR, and she's actually the producer of Impact Learning. So with that, welcome JR. How are you today? Oh, I'm very well. I'm so happy to be talking to you on this podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> so tell us where you are right now. So right now I am sitting in my bedroom, which is in my little tiny house on wheels. Um, it's a caravan and I am in France, southwest France. And when I look out my window, I see trees because I am in a forest and it's glorious. Sounds perfect. <laughs> so you and I met uh, during the podcasting fellowship a few months ago. I was a coach and you were a student and um, we just decided to work together and produce uh, Impact Learning uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, before that, there is a story that actually I don't know a lot about. So tell us uh, where you were born and raised. All right. So I was born in Cannes, which is a city south of, in, in the south of France, it's uh, actually where the festival, the film festival happens. So I was born there and when I was four years old, so I don't have a lot of memories of this place, but when I was four years old, my parents, me and my two brothers left to go live in Reunion Island, which is a small French tropical island off the coast of Madagascar, basically. So like Indian Ocean not far from South Africa, for those who might not know, because it is very weird and I don't think a lot of people know about this place. So I actually grew up there. So that's where I, I wasn't born there, but that's where I was raised. And so from when I was four to 12, I lived there and it was glorious. I mean, as glorious as you can imagine being a kid running around uh, half naked because it never is winter or it never is summer. It's just all the time the same temperature and it's amazing. Um, so that's that's where I, I was raised. And when I was 12, um, my parents had divorced four years prior to that. And when I was 12, I with my mom and my little brother, we moved back to France and we moved to Marseille, which is where I lived for the next five years. Uh, after I graduated high school, I moved to Paris to go and study 
history and archaeology at the Sorbonne University, which is a very prestigious university in France. And I was very happy that I got in. I was, it was a special program because um, I was basically doing two bachelor's degree at the same time. So like history and archaeology are two separate courses, and I was just doing that. So uh, that was a very fun time in my life to be um, away first time away from home, independent, and living the life of a student in Paris. It was pretty glorious. About a year and a half into those studies, I realized that it was not what I wanted to do anymore, that I, I had loved it deeply, but I realized that the reality of what this was going to look like was actually not very appealing to me. I had to do a summer internship at an archaeological dig, for between my first and second year of, of university and I really didn't like it because I realized at that point that if I was going down that path I was either going to be a very specialized laborer, uh, it was very physical and, and very hard, or I was going to be the one person that, that supervises the dig and that spends all their time sitting in an office on a chair. And both of those options were really not appealing to me. And that those were the only two options that if I went down that path. So along with that came also a pretty big nervous breakdown at that time. And so I quit college and I spent the next six months kind of resting and trying to have some fun with life because uh, I, it was a darker period of my life. And, and that's also when I realized that um, because I had to do something else, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do instead of this. And that's when I realized that in the midst of being uh, really depressed and depressed to the point of not wanting to do anything besides lie on my bed, the only thing that still was exciting to me, to some extent, was cooking. And cooking has been something that has always been exciting my entire life. I used to be the kid who would bake for everyone on Wednesday afternoons when everyone was off school in the neighborhood in Reunion Island. Like, the kids would come and be like, Okay, JR, what's the, what's the cake today? What did you make? <laughs> and, um, and so that was really... That was really a passion of mine that I did not pursue because things didn't unfold that way. And so I was back at that point of my life where I said, well, I, I can do anything I want. And so why not go into cooking? Um, so I did that. So when was the first time that you realized that you enjoyed cooking? I think the honest answer to that is I probably realized first how much I loved eating. And, uh, and, and so I think there's some people who love eating and never really cook in their lives. But I think for me, it was like, if I like food and if I like tasting things, uh, then it's easier for me to be in charge of what it, what they taste like. So I think the, it started when I was around five or six, maybe seven, where I would bake for, for the kids in the neighborhood and make cakes every, every week. But later on, it turned into the fact that my mom was working a lot. And so it was easier for me to make the food at night for dinner because if we waited until she came back home, we would eat very late and I knew she was tired and I wanted to help out. So when I was around 12, 13, I was 
preparing a lot of the din dinners around the house. And at first they were very basic, very, very simple, like rice and chicken and curry. But I enjoyed the process of taking uh, raw ingredients and making them into something. And to this day, it's still one of the things I love the most, not just about cooking, but about everything. I mean, you mentioned I'm the producer of your podcast and my, my love for editing is, I think, very linked to that. It's that I take things that are raw and, and, and that needs to be transformed and then I can just shape it in a, in a way that, is, that sounds different and that sounds finished. That resonates because I do like cooking and often we say that chemists uh, like to uh. cook things, right? So we take things uh, that they just uh, plain raw materials and then you make something very different out of them. So now you are at the university uh, in a dark place. What is, so how did you think about pursuing something related to cooking professionally? So the reason I thought about this so to kind of paint the picture I, that dark place was about a month where literally I would do nothing all day I, I could not find the will to uh, to move <laughs> really and and have any interest in in life but every day I still did one thing which was go down to the local shop buy the food that I needed to make my meal for the day and then come back and make my meal and eat. That was the only thing I did. And I had thought about uh, going to culinary school when I was at the end of the French version of middle school. Because I was two years ahead in school, I was actually 12 years old when I graduated, or 12 or 13 when I graduated from uh, junior high or middle school. And so... I could have gone straight into a, a kind of vocational high school type to, to study cooking, but my parents told me that I was too young and that there would be time to do this later if I wanted and to, to go to a regular high school and get my diploma and, and so on. And so that's what I did, and I'm grateful that I did that because I think the, the hospitality business would have been really hard at 13. I actually don't even know if I could have gotten into it legally um, because I was so young, but so I think the, the thing that clicked is, is when I started coming out of this dark period, actually applying for culinary school was the moment where I really came out of it because I think I was being a weight to a lot of the people around me and it was really hard to get me to do anything. And someone, uh, that was very important to me at the time told me, this is getting really hard. I mean, we, we want to help you, but you're, you're not really making it easy for anyone. And I thought it was an ultimatum and it felt really hard at the time. But I actually, 20 minutes after that, I was online and looking at culinary schools because I had done the math really quick in my head. And I thought, what is the only thing that made me happy during this time? Because that would be a great tool to use to decide what I'm going to do next what what does provide me joy and that was the only thing I could think about and that's and then I it all clicked it all like aligned and I thought well this is this is exactly what I need to do okay and did you have to move to go to the culinary school 
No, actually, I was still in Paris at the time, and uh, what better place to be than Paris to go to culinary school? So I actually stayed where I was. <laughs> okay, very good. And how long uh, did that last? So uh, it was a one-year program. And it was an apprenticeship, so I also, I also was working at a restaurant at the same time. So um, I worked, I did that first year, which was very exciting, exhilarating, extremely intense, really hard on a lot of levels, but overall just really propelled me into new spheres of, of me. I mean... I come from a fairly intellectual background. My parents are both doctors, so and my brother was a banker. I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the traditional path for me to follow to go and do something that is so manual. And uh, in France, usually reserved to the people who could not make it past middle school, really. That's usually the people who ended up working in the kitchens of most restaurants. And I was working in a very simple bistro type in Paris, uh, wine bistro, and it was, it was family run. And uh, whew, those working there, I worked there the first year. And, and then I went on to work in other places. I worked at a hotel in, in like, like a five star hotel and didn't like that at all. And I went back to the to the family run place. And I stayed there pretty much for my entire career, which lasted about four years. Okay, and what was the the most enjoyable part of these four years? I think the most enjoyable part for me was that it forced me to grow at such a rapid pace. I think this is a, a trait that I have had my entire life, which is that I really like to learn and I'm a very fast learner. So the periods where I'm learning are usually also very hard because I, I, all my energy is focused on that and I give it all. I give it my all. So um, I'm not very measured in that way. But that was what I liked the most, I think. It was um, also immersing myself in such a different culture than what I knew and what I had known my entire life was... I loved proving to myself that I could be a chameleon and adapt to any situation, including one where, um, I mean, just to paint the setting, I'm not a very tall person and I'm a woman. I started this this career and I was 19. I had like short hair and I arrived there and it was just a bunch of guys. <laughs> like, and I'm saying guys because they were dudes, like really manly men all that you like very very manly and testosterone driven and I arrived and uh, that was so 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 scary in a lot of ways and I just felt way out of my my depth I, I didn't know what I was doing there and yet in the course of six to eight months I went from being the apprentice to being the sous chef and my boss is telling me that uh, they had never seen an apprentice work that well that fast and learn that fast and um, I was putting my brain to good use there and it was really 
I was I was really good at it. I think that's one of the things I really liked the most is that I, I, I got really good really fast and then there was a lot of recognition because I was really good and it was cool to prove to myself that I could be good at something that was so far from anything I knew. So that sounds awesome. So <laughs> did you feel during this time that you you really found you know, what you were passionate about, what you were meant to do. Did, did, did it feel like that at any time during at the beginning or later on during, you know, these four years? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, I like that question a lot because I did. And that is a theme that I've had because when I studied history and archaeology, I was sure it was the thing. I was sure that this was going to be what I did for the rest of my life and my entire career. Because I think I grew up with that model where um, you start, you, you go to high school and then in high school you pick something and then you have to do that for the rest of your life. And and I thought that was the way to, to do it. And... So when history and archaeology didn't work out and I went into cooking and it was so easy and so uh, exhilarating and, and it was very adrenaline driven. And uh, so that was very, I was very hooked on it for the first few years. So, yeah, I really thought that this was the thing. I mean, I, at the time, uh, about about eight months into my apprenticeship, I, I met uh, a man who was working at the restaurant and we had a relationship and he was a waiter and I was the, I was a cook and we had this plan that together we were going to buy a restaurant in Paris and I was going to be the chef and he was going to be the uh, maitre d' or however you say that and uh, and so that's that was the plan and that was a sure thing in our heads that we were going to do that and for me I had found my my career that I was going to do for the rest of my life so what happened because when I met you 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 had uh, closed, I guess, the the chef career path. Yes. Uh, so what what happened in between? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in between was about three years into my career. I felt that I had kind of a calling that I needed to do something else, um, and not that I didn't like. The, the the hospitality business or the cooking or not that I didn't like that anymore, but that uh, it was good. I had done it, and now I needed to do something else. The when I got this this thought, this sort of calling from deeper, it felt like my intuition was speaking to me. Something along those lines. Um, that was really hard because I mean the first day was really exciting I was like oh I'm gonna do something else that's exciting that's amazing and then the realization sunk in that I was gonna have to do something else even though I was in this very committed relationship with a man that I loved very much who like where our future was based around the fact that I was gonna be a cook and so that was really hard really fast and when I tried to talk to him about it he wasn't really willing to hear it and so my life degraded really fast at that time because the last year of my career was really hard I knew every day a little bit more that I wanted to do something else and yet I couldn't find a way out because I still had to pay the bills and I still I mean I couldn't see a way out financially and and in a lot of other ways, personally, I couldn't see how I was going to give it up. It was 
almost a year after I had this revelation that I needed to do something else, that I was actually able to find a way out. And at first it was mainly, I can't take this anymore. And uh, I have two months worth of living expenses in the bank. And um, I'm going to use that up because I can't work anymore. I was burnt out and exhausted and, and really just not in a good place. And so I decided to take this time and reflect. And I thought to myself, well, if I have to burn that money and, and spend two months resting, then I will still have done something good and I'll come back. I'll go back to the work and that's fine. I'll take another job. And what was, so what was the defining moment? Was it that you said, I cannot take it anymore or other things also happened that all, you know, they helped you or they made it easier for you to make this decision? So the decision to actually leave and stop working? Yes. So it was at that time that I was starting to open up a lot more. Uh, I was reading a lot more and I was starting to connect certain dots of maybe... I think I spent a lot of time of my life being very skeptical of all things like spiritual and a bit woo woo. And I was, I, I, I was, and I still am very down to earth, uh, in a lot of ways. But at that time I was very like not willing to hear anything like the intuition. What does that even mean? You know, I was very disconnected from that. And, uh, As I learned more about it and as I started to take more and more leaps of faith and seeing that somehow that was working, I started sort of developing this faith in myself and one in my ability to adapt to any situation because it was just showing that I was very adaptable and flexible and I could always bounce back, but also, also knowing that somehow... If I followed my intuitions, I was ending up in a better place than before, or I was ending up in, in the place where I needed to be. And I can, it's, it's hard to explain how that really uh, comes in my consciousness or in my reality, but I would say the main thing that I've, I had been practicing that year was I started getting really into Uh, self-hypnosis which is basically just hypnosis that you do for yourself which some people could some people would say it's pretty much just guided meditations and um, it's not far from the truth but I think I got more and more in touch with my inner strength and my inner center and um, it got really I think if I look back on it that uh, yeah I was I couldn't take it anymore but also I think I was at a point where I was much more confident in my ability to craft a solution after. And and yeah, I think that's that's how I would say it. What you talked about resonates with different people, maybe from different angles. Uh, but uh, trusting ourselves and uh, and try to figure things, you know, out as they happen, but also ultimately, you know, wanting to be more happy than we are today. Yeah. I think that's something that we all, one way or another, uh, you know, using meditation or other practices that we can, you know, that work for us. I think that's a beautiful thing because some of these decisions are not easy. Uh, they may, you know, they are simple, but they don't, they're not as uh, easy during the time that we go through that, you know, like, like you're talking about them now. 
Yes, yes, for sure. It was a much more difficult story uh, at the time, and it 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 was a painful time in a lot of ways. But also at the same time, I like what you said, and I read this the other day. It's it's uh, it's simple, but it's not easy. And it sounds like so again, so personal and professional, both aspects were more or less, you know changed or collapsed but it was it was a big change for you so who did you get um, support from during this quite you know challenging uh, period in your life well I think uh, so after I quit my job I was still with my partner at the time and uh, and I started getting more and more interested in hypnosis. And so I did a self-hypnosis uh, weekend training in Paris in, uh, I think, a month after I quit my job, which was really, really nice to get out and see a different world that w- the one I had been immersed in for four years. And in the month that followed, I actually got trained and certified as a hypnotherapist in one of the... Um, best schools in France for that and so during that time during the first half of the training that I did in Paris uh, the early uh, 2016 I met a lot of amazing people and I also did a lot of work on myself because uh, I mean as students in a workshop like this that was over the course of two weeks very intense weeks we were also um, uh, practicing on each other so I received a lot a lot a lot of therapy sessions that usually you don't you don't get seven in a row in seven days seven seven hypnosis sessions you get them over the course of maybe two months or three months or maybe probably more Um, so that really was the the foundation for everything that happened after because I think a lot of transformation happened at that time and also the bonds that I formed with the other students during that uh, training was invaluable. And those people were actually probably my support group because after uh, the first half of this training, I uh, ended my relationship and found myself without a job and without an apartment in Paris which was actually really nice uh, to some extent. It was uh, Parts of me were really happy about this because it was a lot of freedom all of a sudden. And I think I'd been craving that a lot. And so I packed a bag and I started traveling. And uh, the first few months of my travels, I just hopped through France and visited all those people that I met during my training. And those were the most uh, important support group that I had at the time. My parents were also very um, present and I could always call on them, but those peers that I had met in the hypnosis training were probably my tightest support group for the first six months after this unraveled. Okay, so now I started counting because this is the third discipline <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm continuing to be surprised but I, I realize that I do need to start counting so I am so this is the third different discipline and like set of skills that you actually studied 
So you took a training, like you studied, uh, you know, history and archaeology, and then uh, later hospitality and cooking, and now you you started uh, something very, very different. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so I I do see clearly here a need for, is it curiosity? Yeah, it's curiosity, and it's an unquenchable thirst for knowledge that I sometimes really hate because it means I can't I can't really uh, just stop you know it's a, it's a, there's a permanent tension in myself of like wanting to know more but also wanting to stay put you know it's like wanting to go forward but wanting to rest and uh, I think that's something I'm trying to handle and hold because I think that paradox is probably never gonna leave uh, who I am it's at the pretty it's a set it's at the center of who I am so I think it's something I just have to accept that it's here um, yeah I think curiosity and a very strong desire to um, do different things just very different things I like go from one thing to the other that that I feel like my brain gets stretched when I do that and it's uh it's really play- like it's a sensation that I really like. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to know if it's the same curiosity or something else that brought you to the podcasting fellowship uh late last year. Yeah, yeah, that's so it's <laughs> I guess it will. It's along those same lines. Although um, now I, I I have the honor and pleasure of through my travels I met this uh, wonderful man that I'm currently engaged to, and we. Uh, if I have a thirst for knowledge, he I don't know what to call what he has. Uh, it's 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 even more than than me, and uh, and so we kind of play off of each other a lot in that area and we um my my kind of like growth uh personal growth personal development has has gone uh, really fast since since we've met and I've just like taken off um and so he's been he was the one talking about podcasting and how we maybe should start a podcast because we have a very unconventional life and we have uh, stories from our travels and like a lot of people might be interested in hearing that and he uh he has a blog and he's he writes but he says like a lot of what is happening to us he can't really write about because it's happening too fast and uh, he doesn't have time to really reflect on it and write about it so it's easier to do on an audio format and so he got the email from Seth uh, from the newsletter from Seth Godin to say that said hey podcasting fellowship uh, last chance to uh, sign up it's it's ending tomorrow Uh, and then it and then the podcasting fellowship fellowship starts and so he told me about this one morning and I was getting ready for a day of relaxing because we had been working and doing a lot of stuff and so I was excited for uh, a a week or so of really relaxing and he was like this is our chance we need to get on it it's gonna be like rocket fuel for us and uh and 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 bear in mind the tension of myself between uh, moving forward and staying put, doing things and relaxing. And he was saying it was going to be rocket fuel. The part of me that wanted to relax got really, really freaked out because <laughs> I don't, I don't want rocket fuel. I'm good. 
<laughs> I'm going fast enough. It's already really hard for me to keep up with myself. So, uh, but he, he, uh, he said, "Hey, I really have an intuition on this that uh, that it's going to be a good idea." And I, I thought to myself that um, I, I trust his intuition as much as I trust mine, and I really wanted to follow it. So we took the plunge and we joined the, the podcasting fellowship and. It's just been a, a wonderful ride since that happened. So that was, uh, we're in March right now. That was in October of 2018. And so we had a month and a half of lessons and, and, and uh, assignments from Alex and Seth. And that was really intense and amazing and very growth promoting because they forced you to reflect on uh, who you are, what you're trying to do, what is the project, who is it for. Um, and things kind of happened. I we, we launched a podcast and got a lot of positive feedback on this. And I was, I've been editing our podcast because I found like a passion for it. Uh, something, it was something that I could do easily and, and with some, maybe a little a little bit of talent or I don't know if, if that's the right word, but something I was naturally good at and, um, and enjoyed doing. So I actually posted on the podcasting fellowship and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I like editing. So if there's anyone out there who doesn't like editing, uh, you could contact me and we could, we could figure something out. I think at the time I really wanted to do more of it and also I figured it was going to be a fun way to make some cash because I'd been traveling off of savings and uh, different things for the last uh, two three years and so my runway was starting to uh, wear thin so I was thinking hey, it's about time to figure out a way to make money and I I would like to make money in my own terms and uh, preferably to it be to for it to be location independent and so that's how it happened. Uh, I, I, I said this and it was around the holidays. So everyone was kind of partying and having Christmas, but then January came around and, uh, and I got like, I think three or four clients in one week. And, uh, the week after that, you contacted me, which was a big deal because you were the coach of the podcasting fellowship, which felt like a big title and and maybe you were you know like it's it's sort of it sounds impressive and so it was I was I was a bit freaked out and it felt like okay am I really gonna do this can I do this is it okay is it allowed and uh, yeah and that's how it happened so the podcasting fellowship has literally changed everything I want to before we talk a little bit more about the producing aspect which I think is a very uh nice experience that we shared. Okay. I want to, so this was the first time in the podcasting fellowship type of workshop that you experienced because you are learning, you know, a lot of things related to technology and how to produce a podcast and everything related to equipment and recording and editing that you obviously, you enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. But but also, it's a very different setting. Now there is a community of, you know, 300, 400 people and coaches, and people from all walks of life. And you're, you're collaborating with them, you're contributing to their work, you are learning from them. How was this 
new experience for you? And was it easy for you to adapt into it and keep doing your work and keep learning and keep making progress? Um, yeah, it was a very different experience for sure. And, uh, I think this was the first time that I was in a learning setting that wasn't based on an authority figure giving me approval or disapproval. I mean, even my hypnosis training was still based on that, um, even though it was much looser and, and much more uh, on the same level. But the podcasting fellowship was the first time that that I was in this situation where there were no grades. No one was going to come, no authority figure was going to come and tell me that what I'd done was bad and that I'm late that I didn't submit my assignment at the right time. And that was incredibly freeing because I think that I was made for this type of uh, learning setting and I never got it because that's really, that's not the classic way that we do teaching and, and that we foster learning, sadly. Um, and so it was intensely freeing to be able to 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 do things in my own time and know that I was going to get feedback from my peers and not approval or disapproval from a teacher. I kept actually waiting for the teacher to show up. You know, I was doing my assignments and I kept waiting for someone to say, okay, thumbs up, you did well, you can move on to the next one. And it didn't happen. And it was very, I think it was destabilizing in the beginning, definitely uh, uh, strange to adapt. But once I figured it out I actually think I got like literally the most out of this learning experience because I have built uh, I mean the community is incredible and it's still going and I'm a part of it and I really enjoy being a part of it there are a lot of people that I would never have heard or, of or talked to if it wasn't for that and I think it's amazing that um, that we live in a time where I can, from my caravan in like foresty southwest France, be on the phone with someone who is in 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 New York, or be on the phone with a group of people who are like all over the world and learning the same thing as me, and that we're all like helping each other grow. And I think that's also the thing that was really powerful is that. Because there's no approval or disapproval, there's no competition. There's no who is doing it better and who is doing it worse. And that is just, uh, I think it, pro it promotes values that are really appealing to me. So for those, so I've had very similar experience with you, but I'm, I'm on my sixth work, you know, workshop of this kind right now in a year. So, wow. uh, yes, which is, yes, and the first one felt a little different because it was new, but I was interested and curious to figure it out, and I did. And now, of course, now it's like the way I do my work. However, if we think about someone who has not experienced that, what would you say? Was it um, easy or simple to establish connection and trust and, I guess, get comfortable with doing your work, you know, when we are commenting and contributing to each other's work on a platform and we are re recording our, you know, our, our voice and we are getting feedback. Was it like, 
or did it feel very different or was it just normal after you got used to it that that was a a good way to build trust and work with other people i think i remember thinking that the first few days were very overwhelming because there were all these people and uh, i was trying to really like catch up with everyone and get to know everyone and get to know their projects and and I was uh, it would spend like two hours a day on the forum and uh, I would end up being really frazzled uh, and then I realized that it was not so much about trying to get to know everyone it was about trying to know to get to know a handful of people and 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 let the the diffusion of of trust come through. So it was about also just having the faith that if I just do my work and put it out and also comment on other people's work uh, earnestly and truthfully and with good intention, that it was going to come back the same way to me. I like that, that you said it, because many many people I know that they, they feel overwhelmed. Like when we <laughs> talk about like leverage, you know, the abundance of resources and connections, this is to many people, very, very overwhelming. But I, I like what you said, if you connect with a few, with a handful of people, and then through their connections, you know, you can start basically doing your work and building trust, and you don't need to know everyone. You know, it, it's a, it's an online platform, and it's, there's, there are a lot of resources and a lot of connections, but we can be intentional about it and find the spot that, you know, we, we feel comfortable and we can do our work. And I like that very much. Okay, so now I want to I wanna go back to, you said that as soon as you published a post that you were interested in doing editing work for others, if, if there was a need, then within a week you heard back from three or four different clients that you, you, you still work with them. Yes. Did these people come back to you quickly uh, because they already knew knew who you were as a person, you know, through your comments and your contribution, but also your work, because you had shared your work. Yeah, yeah. I think people wanted to work with a human being, and they also wanted to work with someone that they knew that they had shared experience with, someone that was in their community in some way. And I think that is because I was... I w- we were interacting already. They felt like they knew me, and I felt like I knew them. And um, a lot of people reached out because also they had something to reference and they, they heard me talking. And this is partly the reason that we started a podcast with Alistair because we knew that the podcast is a great way for people to get to know you. And it's a great uh, way for an audience, to a tribe to assemble around you and, and connect with you on a lot of, in a lot of ways. And it, it does, as you said, it does require to... I think I'm a big proponent of being uh, authentic and vulnerable. Like that is uh, the way I do things in life. And also probably because I can't do any other way, but that is the way I do it. And I think that there is a lot of strength that comes from being open uh, for people to see and, and to really offer yourself up and say this is this is what i am right now and uh, if you don't like it that's fine but if you like it then maybe we have something in common and there could be some really important connection that happens here and i think um, that is the thing that i 
I try to do the most in my life is try to be open and authentic and vulnerable so that other people can do the same. And I think that that's what we do with the podcast. And I think that that is probably the reason why um, so so many people reached out to me because they, they felt like they knew me and they could trust me. And I think that's a beautiful point. Again, for those who haven't had the experience we have had, it's not so simple to think that actually you can establish that level of connection that you can say, you know, you can feel good about reaching out to actually collaborate, which brings us to the point, you know, that you and I started discussing about producing uh, the Impact Learning podcast, which exactly as, uh, as you were talking about is exactly how I felt. Yeah, I could see that I could work, you know, with JR. And uh, of course, I wanted to explore it. And that's why we had a few discussions. But it was, uh, I already, before I even talked with you, I had exactly, I was feeling exactly what you described. I felt good about your work. I felt I knew you as a person, although, you know, I've never met, in, you know, met you in person or I never talked with you. But I, I felt that there was enough enough, I guess, information there and enough trust for me to reach out and explore the possibility. And that's what, you know, what I did when I sent you the email that I was looking for a producer. Um, okay, I'm so really now... Glad, I'm uh, really glad that you did. I'm really glad that you did reach out. <laughs> okay, I do have some questions now to ask, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm counting. So now that's the fourth kind of skills and <laughs> discipline. Yeah. which is editing, editing skills, all the tech, all the technical, everything that uh, it takes to basically create a podcast. But also, you, you know, you have been producing with Alistair together your podcast. And now you have your own business. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I think that's probably the, the skills I least expected to pick up this year, uh, although I'm, I'm thrilled that it is happening, but it is definitely running a business with all that it entails, with having clients, with managing deadlines and all that. That is a lot of mental work that I'm really enjoying and is really um stimulating i think is the is the right word and uh, i did not foresee that so that's and i can see how that is in a lot of ways a combination of a lot of the skills that i learned i learned previously in my life because the the history in archaeology taught me how to be organized in my mental work and having to like send papers to like give papers in at the university and make sure that they're on time and all that. The cooking just allowed me to uh, know how to focus my energy on, on different things and be very organized in my work. It's it, very, very organized. The the pots don't go there, they go there, and, and everything has to be in its right place, it, otherwise I can't work. Um, but also a, a, a sort of like assertiveness that I didn't have before I started working in the kitchen, something of like... I know what I'm doing, sort of, kind of positioning, and uh, and I think it's a good uh, combat for the imposter syndrome that creeps in every now and often, and uh, and then and then the hypnosis, which uh, might sound really out of the way here, but honestly, it's probably the one learning tool that I have used since, and I will never stop using because 
hypnosis is mainly a communication technique and it is i learned a lot about the human brain and how to communicate and how to interact with my fellow human and i think healthy communication when you run a business is extremely important if not the most important thing whether you're uh, relating to your employees or your clients or yourself and so i think like everything that i've learned is serving me today and and uh, i that uh, I like that a lot. Excellent. So <laughs> I have a question that I, I, I know you will give me a very honest answer, but I'm very intrigued now. So when we had our first discussion and I shared with you the, the vision behind impact learning and what I wanted to achieve with the podcast, what was the most interesting aspect of it for you? I resonated with the whole concept at so many different levels, honestly. And I'm not just saying that because I, I really mean that. Um, but I think the thing that resonated the most with me was this idea that maybe we are meant to keep learning and keep growing and keep creating because there's no time in your life where you get to a point and you're like, okay, I'm done, I've created, done. Thank you, bye-bye. I mean, to me, if you do that, it's because you're you're about to die, or you know, it's it's a, it's a it's the die it's the death of the creative aspect of us, and I think that this is the most important aspect of being a human is continually create our relationships, the spaces we inhabit, both uh, physical and mental, the, um, the, the work that we do, the, the, the mindsets that we have. It's a constant evolution. And if there's one thing that has been constant in my life, it's change. And I always felt for the longest time, I mean, it's very recent that I've come to this conclusion, but for the longest time, I thought that was a flaw. I thought that was a bad thing that I, I had to overcome and I had to grow up and, and settle down and stop doing anything and just like be really, I don't know, it felt really tragic to me. And, and I always thought, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I will grow up and, 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 and not do anything again. And, and I, I will find something and like kind of park my car and just stay there. But I, if there's one constant, and I've just turned 27, so whew, I have time to see what happens. Maybe I will, maybe I'll listen to this in five years and laugh at myself. But I, I think I'm, I, this is the constant in my life is that I've always wanted to continue to learn and continue to grow, grow. And, and your podcast not only talks about that, but celebrates that. And uh, I think that is, uh, that's rare from where I come from. And, and it's a breath of fresh air to be working with someone who thinks that so deeply and understand that because I think that is the essence of everything. <laughs> I'm laughing because I was, uh, I was going to ask you and I will ask you. So uh, do you know what I thought about you in terms of, you know, could you be the person to be the producer for Impact Learning? Do you know what, uh, yeah, what made me decide and say, yes, I think I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. That's the person, you know, I want to have JR producing Impact Learning. Do you know what made me come to this conclusion? No, tell me. It was clear 
that you were eager to keep learning. Oh. And to me, it's not ex- because what we produce, what we create, we do, we create the best version of what we can do if we, if we put our heart and soul. But to do that, we really need to be like genuinely interested. So, you know, I've, I've been learning and following very much the impact learning, I guess, concept for, for my life. And, and you proved actually more than, more than me that you have, you know, many times in your life, you've changed your career. You, you, you learned, you really learned new skills. You went into completely new disciplines. So to me, bringing all that into the podcast, you know, we all have, you know, we both have different roles as we create impact learning, but I think we both bring different experience, skill, interest, and passion that they, they complement, they, they feed impact learning. I think we both live and breathe in many different ways with a lot of different experience, but we both believe in impact learning, like in the most fundamental way. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing that. That is really, really nice. And I think if I wasn't sure before that I breathe and live the impact learning principles, I, uh, I am now because I've just heard what I told you. I heard my story as I'm telling it to you. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I, was, I was designed yeah. to help her with this project. And it's great because it's a project I really believe in. So any way I can help is wonderful. But I want to say one more thing, because when we talk about changing our careers or, or, ex, or even learning a new skill, even if it's not a big change in, you know, in our careers, like maybe what you, you went through or what I, I, I went through, even if it's something that we, we, need, we want to try and learn, I think we like connecting and, and, and I guess reaching out to other people who can help us. Because I know, and you, you've said it uh, a few times, and it's a very emotional um, uh, time for me to listen to you say that I called you a producer because I actually believed that you could be a producer and the best producer for impact <laughs> learning. But I, I, from my side, right, because I'm also bringing to life something that I'm very passionate about, but also it's new. It's mm. not something I've done before, right? I have not produced... I have not been a host on a podcast. I have not used audio storytelling to communicate what I believe with those I seek to serve. So there is a part from my side that I also like finding you and collaborating with you. I guess what I'm saying is that when we talk about changes, that they are not small changes in our life. It's important that we connect with others because then it's easier to see a different way forward. Yes, yes, yeah, totally. So that, yeah. Okay, very good. So uh, definitely I learned a lot of things from you. So now you are on your, what, you know, your fifth uh, uh, kind of skills and discipline and you're creating and you, are, you have a business that you are building and evolving. And uh, I, can only, I cannot imagine what comes next. Um, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Even if, even if we tried to guess, yes. I don't think we would guess. So we're not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything uh, during our discussion or anything else uh, from your story or from your experience so far with impact learning that you would like to share with our listeners? I think there's something I was thinking about earlier and that might be a good place to bring it up. I think you said something about how um, people sometimes are afraid to... uh, 
or feel overwhelmed at the idea of leveraging resources to learn and grow and, and they're they're feeling overwhelmed that maybe it's too much to take on in one in one bite or uh, that there's too much to look at you know and uh, and this is something i struggle a lot with especially because i'm i'm a highly i'm a i'm an introvert and i'm a highly sensitive person so I, as I said earlier, life is really stimulating right now and it's amazing, but I also get easily overstimulated and I have to manage that. And that is, uh, uh, that is a challenge every day. But I think you can only do one thing at a time. So just whether it is in your day-to-day -day life or it is when you know you want to learn a new skill or you want to join an online course or... If you feel, if your intuition tells you to do something, do it. And my uh, experience with that is uh, you'll figure it out and, and you're going to come out on the other side a different person. And I think that's probably why it's worth doing because then you get to meet this entirely new person that you're going to be on the other side and uh, it's hard to see when you're going through the ride when it's all very stimulating and you're just going 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 but when you'll actually sit back and reflect i i think i get a lot of joy out of reflecting where i was just a year ago and where i am right now and i feel really proud so i just i kind of want to encourage that feeling in anyone else yeah that's a great point because there is discomfort and there is tension yes. uh, and there is fear and there is a lot of oh, as you said overwhelming i'm an extrovert uh but everything you said I, i've experienced okay very good so where can our listeners find you and listen to your work i know you're producing the podcast so they are listening to that now but what about <laughs> you and your podcast All right. Yeah, well, uh, you can find Alistair and I's podcast at thefaroutpodcast.com. Uh, that's the name of our podcast. You can also find us on any platform. Our name is Far Out Adventures in Unconventional Living. And uh, it's mainly a conversation between the two of us talking about uh, different struggles of having a, an unconventional life or, or joys and uh, different topics that we explore. We recently recorded an episode about how we handle our finances and things like that. So it's uh, definitely uh, an inner look at our, our journey and we really like to share and we do that mainly to inspire other people to go on their own journey and, uh, and try their own version of unconventional living which i think can take many many forms so that's the main way you can uh, reach out to us and we have a lot of ways to be contacted there and uh, yeah that's that's where you can find us very good thank you for that well it was uh well it was a special discussion and i'm grateful that uh, we got to talk and i got to learn more things about you that i did <laughs> not know so i'm very happy and uh thank you for sharing your story and uh you know, some aspects that you were more vulnerable, but, uh, and, and the challenges and the changes that you had in your life, because it, it helps others to, to think about what life can bring. We don't see it all the time, but it's always evolving and things, you know, good things are happening uh, if we continue to explore that. But I do appreciate that. I also learned so much more about you now and your life. Well, thank you. It's been really a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidou. Till next time.